Auzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumme arinal hakka hakkan ve arzukna ittiba'a. Ve arinal batıla batılan ve arzukna ictinabe. Rabbi eşrah li sadri ve yastir li emri ve halun uqudatan min lisani yafqahu qavli. Assalamu alaikum ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. A rough translation of the text we will be studying, inshallah, is going to be posted at this website too. Go to the podcasts, then words, then the 12th word. Yes, we will be studying the 12th word in this episode, inshallah. This is about a comparison of what Ustad Nursi calls the wisdom of the Quran and wisdom of philosophy. However, as we tried to go over it in the previous episode, we need to be careful about the usage of the word philosophy here. It does not refer to one among many disciplines of study that you may find at a university where professors of philosophy talk about uh, history of ideas, uh, issues related to human uh, interactions from a particular point of view, try to make sense of the world, etc., etc., but from a particular disciplinary point of view that is limited uh, through the historical evolution of that discipline. That is not what we are talking about when we say philosophy here. We are referring to a broader uh, attempt to understand the world, a broader attempt to acquire knowledge of the world without relying on revelation. That is what Ustad Nursi is referring to when he says philosophy in this treatise. It goes back to the, the paganic philosophies of the ancient Greeks or there may be other uh, you know, ancient sources of uh, philosophy, Indian philosophy, Chinese philosophy, etc., etc. But the key point is an attempt to understand the world, an attempt to acquire knowledge without reference to revelation without the guidance of revelation. Now, the sciences as we know them today, say biology, physics, chemistry, medicine, sociology, anthropology, psychology, etc., etc. All of those sciences branched out from philosophy. So at some point, philosophy comprised all of the, the efforts all of all types of efforts to understand the world from its various aspects. So physics studies something, chemistry studies something else. All of that was studied in, in, in philosophy. And of course, it was not as detailed as branched out. Uh, with the 
especially with the you know scientific revolution that happened let's say from the 16th century on all of these disciplines evolved and branched out of philosophy and philosophy became a particular branch among many branches so when we say philosophy here we are comparing an attempt to understand reality without reference to revelation and an attempt to understand reality under the guidance of re revelation another caveat to be had is uh, not all philosophy was completely ignorant of or or uh, or indifferent to revelation there's christian philosophy there is islamic philosophy so religion was not always out of philosophy that's a that's a consequence of the historical evolution of um, ideas therefore Ustad Nursi says when i say philosophy or more specifically when i say europe because as it came up uh, in the in the previous section and it continues to be there in the background throughout this entire treatise the philosophy that Ustad Nursi talks about here refers to a particular type of philosophy that has evolved in Europe and is or was shaping the world is still continuing to shape is and was shaping the world the understanding of most people around the world most educated people around the world and that was part mainly mainly atheistic or at least agnostic or that attempted to understand reality without reference to god said that's not what we are interested in we want to develop knowledge without reference to god so when Ustad Nursi talks about all of those things here he is referring to a particular strand of philosophy that evolved in Europe but he also says elsewhere when I say Europe there are two Europes one is the Europe that uh, remained humble received its guidance from Christianity which obviously is a revealed religion before Islam Christianity was the religion that God approved for human beings that received its guidance from Christianity and developed sciences technologies arts crafts that improve people's lives that is useful that's beneficiary to human beings to humanity that's one thing but there is another kind of philosophy that evolved out of this enterprise as people uh, learned about the nature and started to use the knowledge that they acquired about the nature in order to reign in nature in order to turn uh, their knowledge in, into engineering and develop technologies and started to uh, improve the conditions of life and acquired a lot of power seemingly acquired a lot of power they became insolent and they started to reject god and that kind of european culture and european philosophy led people to secularity led people to disbelief led people to uh, prioritizing secular knowledge prioritizing irreligiosity or disregard for religion over religion and caused many people millions perhaps billions of people to not believe and therefore cause them to go to or be destined for hell 
in the hereafter and if uh, we think about what disbelief does to the the human psyche and we studied this in earlier treatises in earlier uh, treatises of the the words this book that we are uh, reading disbelief makes life a hell here in this world too so that kind of philosophy caused people the happiness of this world and the happiness of the hereafter it doomed people to a dark world here and to hell in the hereafter so that is the addressee when you start noticing says philosophy or europe etc etc in this treatise we should make sure that we do not generalize it to the other europe that he talks about because then we would be reducing Ustad Nursi to a narrow-minded anti-modernist, uh, anti-Europeanist, etc., etc. No, that's not what he is. Ustad Nursi takes everything with a balance, right? So the balance here is the addressee that we are talking about is the atheistic, uh, misguided philosophy that has undergirded uh, many, many things, uh, many aspects of life uh, that we are surrounded with today. So that said, Bismillah, second foundation or the second principle of the twelfth word. Quran Hakimin Hikmet Hikmeti Hayat Shasiye Verdi Tarbiye Ahlakiye ve Hikmeti Fasifinim Verdi Darsim Wazenesi. Quran Hakimin Hikmeti Hayat Shasiye Verdi Tarbiye Ahlakiye ve Hikmeti Fasifinim Verdi Darsin Mwazenesi. Comparison of the moral training that the wisdom for Quran's wisdom gives to personal life and the lesson that the wisdom of philosophy offers. So how does the Quran's wisdom offer personal lives and how does the wisdom of that kind of philosophy that we explained inform personal lives? Felsefenin halis bir tilmizi bir firavundur. Fakat menfaati için en hasis şeye ibadet eden bir firavunu zelildir. Her menfaatli şeyi kendine Rab tanır. Hem o dinsiz şakir, mütemerrid ve muanniddir. Fakat bir lezzet için nihayet zilleti kabul eden miskin bir mütemerriddir. Şeytan gibi şahısların bir menfaati hasise için ayağını öpmekle zillet gösterir deni bir muanniddir. Hem o dinsiz şakir, cebbar bir mahrurdur. Fakat kalbinde noktayı istinad bulmadığı için zatında gayet aciz ile aciz bir cebbar hod fırıştır. Hem o şakir menfaatperest hod endiştir ki gaye-i himmeti nefis ve batnın ve fercin hevesatını tatmin ve menfaati şahsiyesini bazı menfaati kavmiye içinde arayan dessas bir hod gemdir. A sincere, unadulterated, devoted, Disciple of philosophy is a farwa. But an abject pharaoh who worships the basest thing for his interests. He recognizes anything that serves his interests as his lord. Now, what is pharaoh? Pharaoh is uh, you know, ancient Egyptian king, but in the context of Islamic um literature the quran as well as the the the literature of other abrahamic religions pharaoh primarily represents hubris we are talking about the particular pharaoh that 
Moses السلام, interacted with and also the tradition of that kingship that the Egyptians had that, that elevated the king to some level of divinity that's why they build all those pyramids etc etc right they there would be a time when you know, everybody would die but the kings because of their divinity would come back to life so the pharaoh in that sense thinks of himself as god in turkish there is this expression if somebody is so so boastful we say so he is walking around as if he created the small mountains right the big mountains yeah there's god who created it but the small ones i created them pharaoh even says i created all mountains however however behind that hubris behind the veil of that hubris right there is an abject person who worships the basest thing for his interests because as we talked before absolute freedom is not possible it is it is just a non-entity you cannot be absolutely absolutely free a person who thinks he or she is absolutely free is a slave of his or her vain desires because he does not recognize any limitation that is one of the definitions of aql intellect the intellect is like this this rope or bridle that you would tie on the on an animal in order to keep it in place the animal soul the the carnal soul the lower soul the compulsive soul nafs it wants things it is created to want things as a, a mechanism that is uh, locked into perpetuating perpetuating its existence and deriving pleasure but without regard to legitimacy of where pleasure is being derived and without the knowledge of what the immediate pleasure may lead to in the long run it is just ignorant of it it, is, it just disregards it unless it is trained and taught the person who thinks he is free of societal constraints or the constraints of the intellect or a combination of the two moral constraints right becomes a slave of the lower compulsive soul because the soul that that compulsive soul will lead this person to wherever he it it desires and that is a definition of interest in this context interest or, or benefit the, the turkish word is manfaat uh, but the, a more literal translation would be benefit but interest is a better uh, translation here when we think of this uh, we should like keep in mind the notion of a rational man in economics right what is the goal of a rational person a rational man in in economics that is to the maximization of interests so the compulsive soul is going about and around with this intent to maximize interests and it is like a pharaoh thinks that it is the only thing the best thing the highest thing the the supreme thing i mean think about the notion of ubermensch in nietzsche right above and above everything 
It is the center of the world. Perhaps it did not create the world, but it is the center of the world and everything should revolve around it. However, however, because it worships its interests, because it has let those vain desires lose and allowed them to take control of himself, he is abject. He is in their hands. He goes wherever those vain desires pull him to. It's like an animal that doesn't know what is good, what is bad, that cannot tell truth from falsehood. And there is a butcher with a rope around the, the neck of the animal pulling it to the slaughterhouse. It just goes. It's a pharaoh, but the pharaoh has a rope around his neck that's pulling it toward hell. And he is walking smug, boastful, bragging. He recognizes anything that serves his interest as his lord. I need that. To do that, I need to do this. Well, this, whatever it, it is. Is this good? Is this legitimate? Is this going to cause pain to others? Is, is this sound morally fine? Is this good for the long term? From a universal point of view, is this okay to do? No, no question asked, no questions asked. That is what I want to do and to, or that is what I want to achieve. And to achieve that, my interest, this is what needs to be done. I'll just do it. I'll steal. I will uh, commit forgery. I will kill. I will do whatever it takes to achieve my goals, which are my, which are my perceived interests. Now, if you are following the commands of somebody, something, without any questioning, in a state of utter submission, what is that? that that's the definition of a Lord. That is what we want to have in our relationship with God. But this person who is uh, a, a disciple of philosophy, a pharaoh, who worships the basest thing for his interests, will recognize anything that serves his interest as his Lord. Furthermore, that a religious pupil of philosophy is recalcitrant and stubborn. However, now he's recalcitrant and stubborn, like insists on taking what it wants to take. Nothing can turn him uh, from his, his, his target, away from his target. If he has his eyes on something, he will get it. He will achieve it. Um, until he achieves it, he is not going to, to you know, turn left and right. He is not going to recognize any rules. Any, he will not have any mercy on anything that might come on his way. Just, just bulldoze over it and move. Right? Stubborn. However, he is wretched in his recalcitrance, accepting endless abasement for the sake of a single pleasure he appears to be strong-willed right but that strong will is in order to achieve what the compulsive soul pulls it or pushes it goads it to do
And in order to achieve that end, he will stoop to anything. He will accept endless abasement. One pleasure. One pleasure. I want a car that can drive 200 miles an hour and that has a turbo engine and that costs I don't know, like $150,000. That is, let's just speaking theoretically, that is three times my salary. However, I work in this business where I can put aside, let's say, a couple of thousand dollars on, you know, away every every week and nobody will recognize it and if i do that in about two years i can accumulate enough money to buy my car and nobody will know he'll do it he'll do it but he'll be abasing himself he'll be abasing himself into this wretched position of a, a, a thief and perhaps he'll be caught and he'll spend the rest of his life in a prison. He is a lowly, stubborn person who shows abjectness by kissing the feet of Satan-like people for a base interest. Faust, right? If you remember in, in, in Goethe's uh, story, he sells his soul to Satan. Why? He has some goals. Maybe those goals appear to be high and lofty to him at the time that he is he's he's trying to move in that direction but but if it is satan that comes his way and the, and, and it, that needs to be gratified and satisfied he'll do it ends justify the means in this in this philosophy in this way of thinking furthermore that irreligious pupil is a prideful despot however because he does not find a point of reliance in his heart he is a bragging despot who is impotent with utmost impotence in his person so he is actually impotent what is what may what gives a human being what gives a believer power that's reliance on god because in essence, we recognize that none of us has any power to do anything. I cannot even lift my hand without the power that God is, God is giving to me and enabling me. Think of it. We talked about this before. What is it that gives power to a believer? A believer relies, relies on God. A believer knows that he has no power whatsoever in, in his own. <laughs> think of it like i don't even have the power to lift my hand what is it that makes me lift my hand hundreds of neural signals hundreds of muscles that are flexing contracting in particular ways in coordination nutrition that the, those muscles need in order to you know burn and, and and turn into energy and turn energy into motion which one of those do i control I have no control on any of it any of it however it's happening so i recognize that somebody is enabling me to do this and that somebody is in charge of everything has power over everything and therefore i am in his charge he has power over everything and i also know that he is merciful he has 
wisdom so i can live comfortably i i, I have a point of reliance i can rely on god and move on in my life but if this person does not recognize god what is it what is there out there to rely on nothing nothing so the person in order to live and in order to forget and feel comfortable has to move into a life of deception and because his his lower soul is goading him to pretend to be a despot of pharaoh right above everything the center of the of the world he also needs to point it out all around because he does not find the point of reliance in his heart in order to cover up to cover up his impotence lack of a point of reliance he will start bragging and become a despot people who are really strong in worldly terms physically and uh, in character they are not moved with the smallest thing they don't go around and about as despots they have mercy they have compassion they think before they act they don't try to prove to everybody that they are the boss the person who is you know, stomping and hitting the table in order to show that he is the boss is doing it because he does not have real authority someone who has real authority is recognized as an authority by everybody and people when he speaks people keep silent when think of the real shiur, real teaching masters when you find yourself in the presence of you know one of those people you will see that they'll be very gentle they will oftentimes be speaking with a relatively low voice but people around them will be sitting on the floor and not moving a bit in order to be able to hear them and then they will be willing and eager to follow the advice the recommendation the guidance that they receive from them think of it when the the, the companions listen to the prophet they say it was as if they had birds on their heads and they did not want to let to to cause the birds to fly and therefore they would not be moving right that is real power that is real authority but those who do not have that then will resort to to force they will resort to physical power in order to force people in order to coerce people into obedience that is a despot because because this uh, pupil of philosophy does not have real power real authority real influence over the things that it that that he thinks he he he needs and he wants to move in certain ways right he's going to resort to coercion to to force and also he will start moving around claiming to be what he is not he is a bragging despot who is impotent with utmost impotence in his person he moves around like a despot but he is impotent furthermore that pupil is a self-concerned person who worships his interests this is similar to what we said that he recognizes anything that serves his interest as his lord right he worships his interests on the face of it it looks like he thinks worshiping something is 
is is is abasement and lowering oneself and be beneath human dignity i mean think of it when we pray before our lord we prostrate we put our forehead on the floor if out of habit this becomes something that is routine and normal for us we do not recognize the true meaning of what that that is there were uh, people bedouins who would come to the prophet وسلم, and he would encourage them to become muslim he would teach them what islam is and sometimes they would say well all of this is good but we, we can't do that we can't put our foreheads on the floor why why because they they think this is beneath their dignity so this despot despot the the pupil of philosophy will probably think that worshiping something is beneath his dignity beneath human dignity a human being should not uh, you know lower himself to the position of being the slave of something etc etc we use the word slave we are slaves of God and we are, we are proud of it. That's the best thing to be. We love it. We want to be slaves of God, right? But there are people out there who are not happy with this word. They are like, you know, how, how do you use the word slave for a human being? That Well, we are not using the word slave in, in, to refer to the subordination of a human being to another human being. We are using it to refer to the subordination and submission of a human being to, to God. But they cannot make the distinction so they think worshiping is you know beneath them but but because of their concern for their self because of their focus on their perceived interests because they have become actually slaves of their vain desires they worship their interests they just don't recognize it the purpose of his effort his endeavor is to gratify the lower soul the stomach and the private parts that is what, what life is reduced to right animalistic interests feeding the stomach and satisfying the private parts he is a fraudulent self-absorbed person who seeks his personal interests within national interests he's fraudulent so that should become clear by this point He's impotent, but he he walks around as if he created small mountains. He is self-absorbed, does not have any concern for anybody else. It is all about the personal interest because he is the center of the world. Again, Ustad Nursi is saying these things with reference to a particular strand of thought. If you were to be more uh, specific about this, perhaps we can say, we can start with Descartes. Uh, Descartes says, you know, I cannot know what is out there. I, I need to have certain knowledge and the, the way to have certain knowledge is to doubt. If something can be doubted, then it's not certain. So he's, he intentionally starts doubting things. And at some, at, he comes to a point that where there is nothing that is not doubtable. That's not dubious. Other than that, he's doubting. Why? Why do we need to do that? Why can't we just not recognize that there is a world out there? I mean, the way that the Mutakallimun, the, the, the dialectical theologians 
talked about this in the early generation, uh, especially is like Imam Maturidi, for instance, says, if somebody is a skeptic, you cannot make sense with them. It's, it's, it's, it's not that they do not believe in anything or they are actually adopting the existence of, uh, let's say, the tree that's in front of them. It's a kind of faith. They just don't want to accept it. So you cannot reason with them and therefore there's no need to try to reason. It's, it's, a, it's a loss of time. Just, he says, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. He's not suggesting this. He's not, he's not talking as a jurist. He's not saying that this is what has to be done, right? Tongue in cheek, he says, cut that person's hand and let's see what he is saying. Is he going to be able to say, well, perhaps my hand is not hurting. Perhaps there never was a hand. No, that's not what's going to happen. They will be in pain and screaming. But, but, the, the intellect is, is interesting. It can be used to produce so many sophistries. So Descartes starts by doubting everything, everything, everything. And in the end, there's only one thing that he cannot doubt. And that's, the, that's the, the fact that he's doubting. And then, this is not the worst of it. He's, he's then going to say, well, I'm doubting, but I'm perceiving things. So I exist, and in my existence, I'm perceiving things. And he says the God cannot be, uh, or, or God can cannot be conceived as something as, as something evil that's going to be misleading. God does not mislead. Therefore, my perception has to be accurate. And from there, he builds things again and says, "Okay, yeah, the world is there. We can we perceive things, etc., etc." I'm you know, simplifying here. However, the problem is. The human being becomes the, the, the center of everything. And then they will move on. Philosophers will move, move on and say, well, there is, we cannot be certain about the, the world outside the mind. All we can talk about is what is in the mind. So the center of the world becomes the mind of each person for himself. Later on, they'll try to get out of this trap that they push themselves into but but in many cases they, they are not able to do it so the human being becomes the center of the world truth loses its meaning as a result because when we say truth we mean truth with a capital t something that represents the world out there the world outside the mind the the creation and beyond the creation the sublime truth the sublime real god all of these lose their meaning. There is only one truth, and that's kept with a capital T, with a small t in the mind. And then you can interpret things however you want to interpret them because it's all in your mind, it's all in your head. How can there be morality in a world like that? So some, some of these philosophers have a problem with it. Kant, for instance, is one of the famous ones, and he says, okay. We cannot have morality unless we recognize a higher being because if truth is with a small t, that means there is no standard for anything. We have to recognize a higher being so that we can have morality. But what's happening here is God is being reduced from the sublime real that he is to an instrument in order to organize society in a moral way, in a way that has certain standards. So that's the philosophy that we are talking about. 
That's the philosophy that moves the human being, individual human being, to the center of the world and makes him a, a, a pharaoh. Right? The pharaoh thought that he controlled the world. And when the human being is at the, the center of the world, and truth is with a small t, there is no actual true foundation for morality, he will be not bound by any standards and norms and rules, etc. He'll be in, you know, quote unquote, uh, free, but he'll be a slave of his vain desires. He is a fraudulent. He will think that he is powerful. He is, you know, bragging, moving around, despot, the, the, the, the, the one who owns the world, who rules the world, whose individuality has to be realized and proven to the rest of the world, who has to be the superman of his world. He is a fraudulent, self-absorbed person who seeks his personal interests within national interests. This is this is the other thing, because he wants to be bragging around he wants to be the boss but he cannot be that because he is living in a world where there are other people who, is, who are trying to do the same and ultimately they lead to conflict and individually he cannot overcome others and that sense of that desire to overcome no matter what is so strong that he is going to ally with others but who, which others is he going to ally? He is going to ally with others that he recognizes to be of his kind because this self-centeredness, self-absorbedness is so defining for his existence that even there he is going to focus on the self and try to look for those whom he can identify as similar to his self. And he will recognize his nation or his tribe or his faction or his sect. Right, so from personal interest, he will move to national interest. But the word national here is maybe misleading. Uh, it, it is any community that a person identifies with at a political level. And we should keep in mind that Ustad Nusi is writing this right after, in the aftermath of World War One, during which you know, empires and nations fought with each other and then. Uh, came out fragmented into nations and conflict continued thereafter. People were deprived of God, but they were given other gods in, in, in his stead. They were given gods of nations. You could sacrifice your life, for instance, for your nation, and that was a dignified, noble thing. Why? What is that thing that you call the nation? How does how, how, how does it make the sacrification of life or even more importantly, taking of life of other people a glorious, noble thing? How and why? If it is for God, God is the owner of everything and he has a purpose in creation and therefore whatever he, he, he uh, ordains to be noble, is noble and he is the sublime real of course it is noble to serve the sublime real but how is it sublime to serve that construct that you call the nation or sect or faction or tribe or whatever you will call it soccer team there are people out there who are going to kill one another for the the 
uh, for routing for their soccer teams because others are from another soccer team so nationalism in that context was and to, to a large extent still is reduced to thinking that other people are bad and don't don't um, deserve to exist I mean think of the Nazis how they divided humanity into various categories of or rather whether various ranks of human beings and they were at the top and then there were subhumans that's why they thought it was perfectly okay and even necessary to to um, ex exterminate Jews and gypsies and some other kinds of people they they, they were subhuman Übermensch they said in German so this kind of thinking I am the center of the world everything should serve me maximizing my interest is the ultimate goal of my existence and this is justified there is no moral concern about this because truth is with a with a small t uh, you know perhaps some people might be out there who think that god needs to be recognized because we need morality but no my morality is limited to my protection of my nation or my faction this is where it is going to lead to or where this is where it has led to amma now let's see what the quran says amma hikmeti quranın halis tilmizi ise bir abddir fakat azam mahlukata da ibadete tenezzül etmez hem cennet gibi azam menfaat olan bir şeyi gayeyi ibadet kabul etmez bir abdi azizdir hem hakiki tilmizi mütevazidir selim halimdir fakat fatırının gayrına daireyi izni haricinde ihtiyarıyla ihtiyarıyla tezellüle tenezzül etmez hem fakir ve zayıftır fakr ve zaafını bilir fakat onun maliki kerimi ona ittihar ettiği uhrevi servetle müstagnidir ve seyyidinin nihayetsiz kudretine istinad ettiği için kavidir hem yalnız li vecihillah rıza ilahi için fazilet için amel eder çalışır as for a sincere disciple of the Quran's wisdom now this is important he started the previous paragraph by saying a sincere disciple or unadulterated, un unadulterated, a devoted, devout disciple of the of philosophy, and here an unadulterated, sincere, devout disciple of the Quran's wisdom. He is a slave. But we talked about this, right? A sincere disciple of the Quran's wisdom. He is a slave. We should take that, and you know, that's that's our badge of honor. We are slave. I am a slave but not a slave to human beings not a slave to my vain desires not a slave to my animal side not a slave to whichever community congregation faction that I identify with I am a slave to somebody someone who deserves to be the master however he does not stoop to worshiping even the most tremendous creatures he does not worship creatures he does not stoop to worshiping even the most tremendous creatures what is the most tremendous creatures like angels who are carrying the throne but of course this is a person if, if it is a uh, person who is stooping down right that person will probably not recognize such sublime realities the sun fire wind 
idols most tremendous the sun let's say the sun is the most tremendous he's not going to stoop to worship worshiping even the sun because he knows that the sun is create, created the sun has no power whatsoever in itself it's completely impotent it is being it is created it is being sustained it its uh, energy is being given to it it is being held on a certain orbit it is being held in a certain order it's a creature just like me why should i stoop to worshiping the the the sun why should i stoop to worshiping the tree why i sh why should i stoop to worshiping whatever whatever people why should i stoop to worshiping the king the nation the soccer team the salary the boss who holds controls over my salary money uh, the movie that i want to watch the, the the tv series that i cannot not watch even though it may be being broadcast at a time where i have to be going to the mosque yeah i can't miss the mosque but i cannot miss the soccer game no a sincere disciple of the Quran's wisdom is a slave to God. He does not stoop to worshiping even the most tremendous creatures, let alone these trifles that we mentioned. He is a dignified slave. He is dignified. Who does not accept as the purpose of his worship even the garden, which is the most tremendous benefit. Are we going to talk about interest, interest maximization? what is more maximum than the garden paradise in terms of interest anybody who wants to maximize interest has to lock all his attention all his effort to achieving the garden is that true well not not not really because there is more than the garden there is the pleasure of god therefore that dignified slave does not accept as the purpose of worship even the garden the garden is not the purpose yes it is an encouragement because the lower soul the compulsive lower soul is involved uh, is a part of the human existence and it needs to be encouraged right there there is a carrot for you to put in front of the lower soul right the garden therefore it is legitimate god has permitted us to to have the garden in mind when we worship him but a true sincere disciple of the quran understands that god's countenance god's pleasure is even better and even higher and therefore he does not even accept the garden as the purpose of his worship yeah it may be a sweetener it may be an encouragement for the lower soul but at the level of the heart and the spirit no that's not the end the end is God himself it's the Quran's true pupil is humble humble because he knows that it is God who has all power and whatever he is seemingly able to do in this world like lifting his hand it is by God's leave and power there's nothing for him to boast about he's humble with a sound disposition his thoughts are sound, healthy, balanced. He sees reality as reality is. 
his notions are in alignment with reality and he is forbearing because he is not a he is not a, a brag he is not a despot he doesn't think that he deserves all oh, that is good and and pleasurable and he deserves no punishment no trouble no tribulation he does not feel indignant before the tests and tribulation that tribulations that life brings in front of him he doesn't say what did i do to deserve this no he says whatever comes from my lord that is what is good good is in what comes from my lord and i need to be patient about this because this is a test this life is a test and ultimately my true happiness is in my obedience to my lord he's forbearing he doesn't rush to conclusions at the end of the day he knows that there is a purpose in everything god is wise and he's in charge of everything and he's his his wisdom indicates and tells that there is a purpose in everything and he tries to see the beautiful side the beautiful consequence the beautiful purpose wisdom in everything and therefore reality is beautiful for him it's it's true people quran's true people is humble with a sound disposition and forbearing however he does not volitionally stoop to lowering himself before anyone other than the one who created him from nothing outside the limits of his leaf outside the limits of god's leaf he does not stoop to lowering himself before anyone now this doesn't mean that so i'm a believer i worship god therefore i do not humble myself before anybody no that's that, that's not what this means because outside the limits of his leaf right we just talked about that you know a true teaching master how uh, his students will be sitting motionless before him imagine yourself before the prophet sallallahu would you not humble yourself god says in the quran that believers should not raise their voice above the the, the voice of over the voice of the prophet sallallahu so would you then go ahead and say no i'm not going to stoop myself to lowering myself before the prophet i'm going to speak as loud as, as i can because i'm a believer no that's not the point here god has created things in hierarchies so there are inanimate objects and then there are living objects and in the among the living objects there are plants and animals you know plants don't have consciousness animals have consciousness but human beings have a higher level of consciousness and also have intellect human beings have uh, what we call like theoretical intellect animals may have practical intellect but the human beings have theoretical intellect and they also have imagination and they have this connection with god so there is a hierarchy there is a hierarchy and god created the hierarchy and it is okay to respect that hierarchy to humble my ourselves before other beings before other people within the leave of our lord to recognize their superiority over us because of their superior image before god's sight however however even when we do that we do it because of our subordination to to our lord for his sake not for the sake of 
particular interests that we may be pursuing at a particular time no we do not lower ourselves before anyone other than the one who created us from nothing at work for instance you know we, we need to pray five times a day and if it conflicts with the work time are we going to say well you know, this is this is a different domain here we behave according to the rules of the workplace and then once we are out we can behave according to the rules of our religion and go ahead and pray perhaps make up no god created the workplace god owns the boss at the workplace the boss is a slave of god too i had a friend who once told me his story he um he was praying five times a day and then he got a job and this was in a place he was in turkey and this was a place where uh, mostly non-muslims worked uh, and, and and controlled the place so he was a relatively lowly uh person in the hierarchy of the the scheme of things in that workplace and he feared that if he attempted to pray five times a day this would be perceived wrong um and he he, he would be fired and to be more clear he was actually hired to work at the british embassy in turkey so he wouldn't do this he would try to find a place like a like a, a, a coat closet for instance and go and pray there without being seen he thought that he was not being seen after this is an embassy won't they control people right won't they have an eye on everything going on but he he thought he could do it so he would find a coat closet and go uh, pray there he would find you know lock the, the door at the toilet and take wudu and etc but he started to eat him from inside so one day he met uh, a person that he respected uh, because of the the, the the knowledge that this the piety and knowledge that this person had and he opened his heart up to that person and said look, look this is the situation i am praying but is it okay if i don't pray uh, sometimes I'm missing my prayer because I cannot find a you know, secret space uh, and I'm have, having to make it up. And the, this brother said, well, God ordered us to pray. That's not up for discussion. That's not up for uh, you know, further consideration. You have to pray, period. And if you cannot pray, you leave your job. But this is a really good job and you know the economy is not doing well how am i going to find another job well that is something to be considered next you either pray or you don't stay there that's not up for discussion that's not up for consideration he said okay i'll go and talk uh with the whoever was his supervisor and say i need to pray he goes to his job with this determination and and as he as he arrives uh, all the employees of the embassy are called to a room for a meeting and the ambassador tells them well we have this new policy about uh, diversity or multiculturalism i forgot what the term that they, they used and as a part of this new policy that we want to implement in our embassy we are going to open a prayer space in the embassy and then he turns to him and say you can now pray in that prayer space you know just let us know what you need to do that's it that's it god is in charge he has control over everything 
the true pupil is humble with a sound disposition and forbearing etc etc however he does not volitionally stoop to lowering himself before anyone other than the one who created him from nothing outside the limits of his leaf god's leaf he is poor and weak he recognizes his poverty and weakness yet he is wealthy for he finds sufficiency in the other world the treasure that his munificent owner has prepared for him he is poor and weak and he is not poor and weak because he is a believer he is poor and weak because he is a created being he is poor and weak because he is a human being all human beings are poor and weak they have nothing they are the poorest and the weakest because poverty is proportional to need the um the, the sparrow that's flying out there and perching on the gutter of a rooftop it is it needs let's say some seeds and some insects to eat uh, maybe a nest some water let's assume that this is all the sparrow needs of course it probably needs more things but let's assume that this is all the sparrow needs if it finds some seeds some water and a nest the sparrow is rich it is not in poverty anymore the the weakness is similar to this if it has the ability to procure some seeds some water and a nest then the sparrow is not weak it, it is you know it has the power it is the power of its lord but it is given a leave to use that power and so it's not that poor it's not that weak but what about the human being human being needs boundless things we talked a lot about this it should be clear by now anything that a human being can conceptualize in his or her intellect or imagine has the likelihood to turn into a need for this purpose uh, for for this person and if the needs that a human being have or can have are boundless and the human being has no power to procure any of that then the poverty and weakness of the human being is boundless too so he the sincere uh, disciples of the quran's wisdom is poor and weak and he recognizes his poverty and weakness unlike those bragging despots who were going around and and not recognizing this or recognizing but trying to cover it up so they were as a result fraudulent right the the the believer is true to his essence true to what he is and sometimes they talk about individualism and and and you know you need to realize yourself and you need to find the individual that is in you and you need to be true to it and you know follow your temptations the temptations do not def define our true self temptations define our animal side our true self is recognizing our place before our lord knowing why we are created what we are created for where we are destined to go what the purpose of our creation is what meaning does our existence have what purpose does our existence have the believer is true to his true self yet he is wealthy 
he is poor he is weak right but he is wealthy he is sufficient to himself he he has a sense of sufficiency he is wealthy for he finds sufficiency in the other world the treasure that his munificent owner has prepared for him otherworldly treasure he is promised his munificent owner has promised to him that he will receive a treasure that no eye has seen no heart has thought about thought of he is going to receive a treasure that is incomparably better and higher and most important permanent yes he does not have this he does not have that in this world but so what so what as long as he is true to his true self as long as he is true to god's covenant as long as he is a slave of god as long as he has a hope that when he dies god will tell him enter into my mercy enter among my slaves he is rich He's filled with a sense of self-sufficiency. He is looking forward to receiving that otherworldly treasure, and that otherworldly treasure, as we said, is not is not limited to the garden. It is God's countenance. It's God's pleasure. It's an abiding state of bliss. We don't know what exactly it is. We cannot know because it is otherworldly. But we are promised it, and we have a glimpse of it from the the, the, the blessings that we are surrounded with in this world. Moreover, he per performs his deeds and works only for God's countenance. Divine pleasure and virtue. He does not stoop himself to worshipping material things. Yes, it is legitimate once again. Yes, it is legitimate, legit okay to encourage the lower soul with the promises of the garden with the pleasures of the garden and that's good if a person is praying with that in mind that's good because that's promised by his lord he is he is praying he is fasting he is performing his deeds for to achieve his lord's promise but even beyond that, a true, a sincere disciple of the Quran once again knows that what is better is God's pleasure and countenance. And that is the true, ultimate, core purpose of his deeds. God's countenance, divine pleasure and virtue. He does things because it is good. And it is he recognizes it as good because that is what his Lord taught him. İşte iki hikmetin verdiği terbiye iki tilimizin muvazenesiyle anlaşılır. So, the training that these two wisdoms offer is understood through the comparison of two disciples. This may look simple, but it actually it is a very um, profound a treaty is a very profound uh, section in the Risale Inur. It is something that has the entire uh, history of thought in mind, summarized in a few paragraphs. Uh, it, it is simplifying things a bit, uh, 
However, if we read it, if we try to understand it with the caveat that we mentioned at the beginning that one can find elsewhere in the Risale Inur, then it makes perfect sense and helps us find our way in the world that we are living in. Are we going to stoop to worshipping our vain desires and the perceived interests and the perceived sources of those interests and therefore become fraudulent despots who are living in a dark world but trying to cover the darkness of that world both for themselves and for others with bragging and perhaps we can also say entertainment and forgetfulness etc etc or are we going to recognize our true self and be true to that true self and try to realize our aptitudes our potentials as slaves of god aiming for his countenance aiming for that abiding pleasure bliss aiming for becoming a deserving slave deserving of the promise that god has placed on our path are we going to stay true on the path or are we going to veer away veer away because of the deceptive power and glory and glitter and glamour that the the modern world is offering in order to deceive us this doesn't mean do not partake from the the facilities of the modern world no you can partake however as you partake you need to know that this there is a standard in partaking if something is against virt virtue against divine pleasure against um against your ultimate goal of staying true on the path to god's countenance then you stay away from it the circle of what is halal what is permissible is sufficient for absolute pleasure subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim وآخر دعواهم أن الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة اللهم صل